Welcome back, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trenton Biz with you for another conversation wide-ranging around the world of Hawkeye athletics. It is the slow season. Biz, welcome back. Good to talk to you again. How are things? Good. Yeah, you mentioned the slow season. This is officially the, the, the worst week in all of sports. Uh, you know, it's even worse now that baseball has decided to drag on the uh, All-Star break and made it a, a week-long affair. I just looked and... There's only one baseball game even tomorrow, Trent. We got to wait all the way till Friday to get back to actual uh, sporting events that we, that we care about. Well, it's an improvement that we at least get one game, and ESPN uh, is going to try to blow that out and at least make it some kind of event on Thursday before. Yeah, it'd be both uh, today, this Wednesday, and Thursday without anything on the schedule. So, chance uh, for me to do a little high school baseball. That that's going to dominate my conversation here for the next few days, and then we'll. We'll roll from there into the second half. We'll talk some baseball a little bit later, but good news is it's been pretty quiet offseason overall in the world of Hawkeye athletics. Yeah, like I always say, uh, no news is good news in the summer. As long as nobody's uh, on the uh, police blotter and nobody's getting kicked off the team, that, that's a good thing. So let's hope for uh, a nice quiet month of July and uh, you know, a, a rare time trend. I would say usually if you and I don't talk for a couple of weeks, there's usually some hot-button issue that's popped up in Iowa athletics, and unfortunately that, that has not happened. Uh, about the most uh, controversial thing that's happened is that A.J. Epinesa is not going to media days, which uh, is barely a blip on the radar. But if that's, if that's the most controversial thing that happened, you know it's been a boring couple of weeks. Yeah, and of course uh, in my day job that is something that we've been beating over the head with. I do want to get your perspective on it because – it does strike me as odd. The three players going, Nate Stanley, he'll be back for the second straight year. No surprise there. He's the quarterback, all those things. You anticipate that he'd be a guy, certainly, that'd make his way to Chicago. Michael Ojemudia, okay, senior, cornerback, pretty good player throughout his career. You get that one. And then for the third spot, you don't take another senior. That's something that's been really the M.O. outside of Stanley and Josie Jewell throughout the whole 21 years of Kirk Ferentz. But to bring Torin Young over A.J. Epinesa, it just something seems off. Something seems weird when you look at this and, and trying to figure out what the justification can be for it. Yeah, uh, and, and I'll, I'll caveat at the beginning of this, Trent, is I truly, truly do not care at all about Big Ten Media Days. So I don't really care who they bring, but I do think it's a mistake on their part. I mean, Epinesa has a chance to be you know, an absolute Iowa legend, a top 10 Iowa player of all time by, by the time he's done. And for him not to go seems uh, seems like an odd choice. And, you know, this is pure speculation on my part, but I can't fathom that he wasn't at least given the opportunity to go. And maybe he just said, hey, I, I don't want to go. Or maybe he said, you know, Torn Young deserves to go for, for certain reasons. But uh, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't at least uh, – thrown out as an option to him uh, to attend, and, and maybe he passed. But, uh, yeah, it, it seems like he is certainly the face of the program this year, and he should be there. But, they, again, I really don't care when it comes down to it. Uh, I think this just shows, you know, Big Ten Media Day uh, 
we're not the only team that's, that's not sending our superstars there by any means. It sounds like uh, kind of across the board, there's quite a few uh, big-name players that will not be there. So unless the uh, conference is going to mandate that certain people come, uh, I, I guess it really doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to be there, so it upsets me, but it's not about me. It is... It is a you, don't little... want to do a, you don't want to do a deep dive into Torin Young? And, well, uh, I'm sure I will. His 3.5 yards of carry? I'm sure I will. I'm sure it's something that, you know, you got to pass the time. You're sitting there for five, six hours and on the air for a couple of hours. you got to find the, the air time to fill. So it will be a deep dive with Torin Young. It would be much more interesting with A.J. Epinesa. You know, you do bring up a good point, though, just about him. And if he made the decision himself where he said, yeah, I just, not, not for me. I... I don't want to do that. I don't want to have the spotlight be on me. Some guys are wired that way. And everything that we've heard and, and seen from A.J. Epinesa is he does seem like he is that kind of guy. So from that aspect, certainly I, I can understand that. I don't think there's anything sinister by any means. But maybe he was late to a team meeting. Maybe something like that. And this was, quote, unquote, the punishment that he doesn't get to go. Something like that. I, I don't anticipate that that is the reason. But it is just difficult. You'd think an opportunity like this would not just the Iowa media, but more importantly, the regional, the Big Ten media, and the national media that'll be in Chicago for media days, that this would be a chance to spotlight your All-American player, a guy that's going to be a top-ten pick next season in the NFL draft, to spotlight that guy and, and feed a little bit the national and build the Iowa brand in that fashion. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that, but uh, we should grow accustomed to this. It seems like it's an annual tradition of Iowa kind of bringing some head-scratching players there, and uh, you know, year in and year out, they, they, they tend to uh, to do this, and so we shouldn't be surprised by it. All right, Biz, so it'll be media day next week from there. Let's jump into a few different things, and uh, certainly want to start with your your perspective. Basketball offseason, another quiet one, at least here recently. But before that, we've talked about the stories that came out about the injury to Bohannon, the likelihood that he's going to play Isaiah Moss. It's summer that at times can raise optimism where do you sit here as we uh, sit in the middle of July with the basketball team? Well, you don't get the uh, the excitement of prime time anymore, so there's really not much to get your hopes up in the summer. Uh, it used to be the annual tradition of uh, people going and watching uh, guys score 50 points against non-existent uh, defenses, and then they get all excited for pretty new people coming in. But you don't get that optimism right now because uh, things are pretty quiet. I think this is the weekend – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first of the two weekends when, when coaches can go out and recruit and go out and uh, look at guys again. So my guess is we'll probably get some articles about guys that we're overreaching for and probably won't get uh, down the road. But uh, I'm sure there'll be some optimism for some guys that we're, uh, we're at least trying to go after in the next couple of days. That's the hope. Of course, the big fish out there, the most realistic of the big fish is certainly Xavier Foster. We'll see on that. Iowa State heavily involved. You got Baylor, USC. I think he took a visit to both those programs to this point. Some big boys might become involved. It sounds like Duke, Kentucky, those likes aren't going to jump into the mix here. But that's a hope. If that could happen, then maybe somebody that he knows from the AU circuit will also jump aboard with him. But it's a big recruiting year, too, for Iowa. Now, the class coming in this year with Patrick and Joe Toussaint, Look, Patrick is the coach's kid. He was coming here regardless. But Toussaint, this roster is starting to age a little bit, and the time is now to get out there and get a couple of guys coming in. Some They don't have to be top 50 players, but a couple of top 150 players certainly would be nice. 
So what do you hear from Foster on Foster? Do we have a legitimate chance at all? I think so. From everything that I've heard and a couple of people I've talked to, it's a realistic shot. I, I don't think that, you know, there's people out there, his girlfriend goes to Iowa State. So they believe that that puts them uh, maybe above Iowa in the pecking order. Look, if you're a college athlete and you're worrying about your high school girlfriend, come on, give your head a shake. Even if she is in college, you got to be better than that, right? Well, if the girlfriend goes to Iowa State, that might be a reason for him to go somewhere else, maybe. So. Now you're thinking, hey, I like how you're thinking there. All right, Viz, uh, basketball talk. We'll, we'll get away from that. Certainly more news comes out. We'll talk about that some more. But I want to get back into football. I want to talk about the whole of the Big Ten West. I, I know we've had the conversation. If it's not Iowa, I, I think for me personally, I think Iowa has the most talented team in the West this year. The schedule still is what gives me the biggest pause. But overall, if it's not Iowa, and we both obviously Hawkeye fans, we want Iowa to do it, who would be your pick to win the Big Ten West if you can't pick the Hawks? You know, this is not uh, a good answer, Trent, but the answer is I don't know. Uh, I I did some looking when you told me we were going to talk about this, and it's almost impossible to guess because, you know, I think you can cross Illinois off the list for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at returning talent plus schedules, I think you can make a legitimate argument for any of the other six. Um, unfortunately, when you look at schedules, Iowa clearly has the hardest total schedule of those six teams. Um, when you combine the fact that our, our cross-division schedule is, is quite tough with Michigan and Penn State, and then inside division we've got to go to the three probably – Highest-rated, you know, opponents in the in the West with Northwestern, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Um, you know, like you said, we may have the most talent, but uh, you know, schedule-wise alone, you can almost uh, we're going to have to really have some things go our way to have a chance. But I don't know if you saw; it's been a couple weeks now. But Chad Lysko had an article, and it's pretty amazing. The uh, the cross-division games really haven't mattered over the last five or six years. The, yeah. the, the winner of the West is. is pretty much dominated the West. I think over the last five years, I think it was, what, one loss total over the, the teams that have won the West, which I think is Wisconsin three times, us once, and Northwestern once. The only team that lost a single game against a West opponent was Wisconsin lost to Northwestern one time. So, so really what it comes down to is probably pretty simple. You, you, you win the six games against the uh, West division opponents, you're probably going to be in uh, Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, when you look at the schedule, you kind of cringe as a Hawks fan. And unfortunately, the team, I think, when you talk about the in-division schedule that has it set up the best is probably Nebraska. They get Northwestern at home, Wisconsin at home, and Iowa at home. All three of those are going to be in Lincoln, and because of that, I like the talent. Adrian Martinez, the guy's a stud. Now, is he going to be able to withstand the pounding? Is he going to be healthy by the time we get to November? That's still a huge question mark there. He's got receivers. He's got Spielman back. They'll be able to make plays. They'll find running backs. Defensively, you'd anticipate some kind of step forward from what we saw in year number one a year ago. I think if I had to pick somebody else, as much as I hate to do it, it'd be the Cornhuskers. And you know the other team I've been looking more and more at is the Gophers. Minnesota schedule, certainly in their favor. And as much of a douchebag as I believe P.J. Fleck is, the guy's brought in talent. There is a different level of talent that has come in. He's played a ton of those guys early in their career. It's more than likely going to be a year 
where six and three or seven and two at least is going to get you a share of the division. But I've been taking a closer look. Nebraska one, number two, it'd be the Gophers for me. Well, the cross schedule, there's no doubt Minnesota's is the easiest. The only road game they have for on the, on the, for the East is Rutgers. Mm. And then the two home games are Maryland and Penn State. So they, they miss Michigan, they miss Ohio State, they miss Michigan State. Um, but I, I can't in good conscience uh, sit here and pick P.J. Fleck to win any division right now. I just... I don't buy him as being a uh, a legitimate long-term Big Ten coach. But uh, you're correct. On paper, because I did the same thing, I wrote it down, and when you break down the full nine-game schedules, I had Nebraska as having the easiest and Minnesota having the second easiest. And then Purdue, Wisconsin, and Northwestern are all kind of jumbled in there together because Wisconsin's cross-division schedule is brutal. They've got to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. But they have a very favorable division schedule because the three teams they have to go on the road to are Illinois, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So, so it, it's a it's a crapshoot. But uh, the one team I think, honestly, out of the six, you can probably cross off Trent. It's hard to say this because they dominated the West last year, but it's Northwestern. Yeah. You look at their schedule. There's a good chance Northwestern could be one in six when they uh, by the time we play them. They have to play Stanford, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Ohio State in the first six weeks of the year. So uh, that's a pretty brutal start to the year. Their schedule gets a lot easier down the stretch, but uh, Fitzgerald's M.O. has always been to struggle early on, and if he does that this year, they could be looking at about a 1-5 and five start. The one team we haven't mentioned out of the group of six outside of Illinois is a team that had dominated the three years previous to last year, and that's the Badgers, wisconsin Limped last year to an 8-5 and five finish. They were blown out at home against Minnesota to finish off the season. All right, they beat Miami in the pinstripe bowl. I don't know how many of those Miami dudes were real excited to be in New York in December, but regardless of that, Paul Christ going into his fifth year doesn't feel like certainly they have momentum on their side, and it'll be a new quarterback out there. Some people say it might be a good thing with Graham Mertz taking over the true freshman, but regardless of that, a lot of offensive line talent gone. Jonathan Taylor will be back next season, and the defense took a lot of hits from a year ago. What do you think of Wisconsin? Well, I think they're always going to be competitive, and they're always going to be a team that, that gives Iowa fit. But those question marks that you just listed—that that's a lot of them. I mean, that's yeah. you know, and like I said, that that cross division schedule is brutal. They got to go to Ohio State, and then they get Michigan and Michigan State at home. You know, I don't see them. I see them going at best one and two in those three games. So, you know, what it comes down to, Trent, I, I think when you look at everything, you know, all the discussions we just had about all those teams, this is not going to be a year where anybody in the West goes eight and one. I think if you can go seven and two, you've got a good chance to go to, to Indianapolis. But there is by no means a uh, a perfect team in the West. And I think if it's, if you're going into that last weekend six and two, you're going to have a shot. And, you know, can Iowa do that? I think that's probably best-case scenario. For 6-2 and two going into Nebraska, that would be uh, ideal, I think. Yeah, that, that's fair. 6-2 and two going into that one, and give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance going into November. I think that's a realistic goal to, to certainly ask for and win some tight games in November and things maybe can break the way of Iowa. 7-2, and two, I think, wins this division outright. 6-3, and three, I think we're talking about a three, maybe four-way tie. It, it's... It's that convoluted here. 
it wouldn't be surprised where we're going to BigTen.org and trying to figure out what the tiebreaker is for a four-way tie for a division title. Well, I, I just it'd be fun for once for that Iowa Nebraska game to have yes some relevance outside of the states of Iowa and Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It really never it's never mattered. So I mean, obviously, it matters to us and it matters to a. Uh, Cornhuskers fans, but just once it'd be nice to have a division title on the line. Uh, maybe both teams going six and two into that game would be a lot of fun. You know, as we talked about the Iowa schedule this year, and, and you go through the road games that they have, the Penn State game is certainly the most uh, exciting one that'll be coming into Kinnick. Minnesota will be good. You get the opener against Miami of Ohio. Night game for game one. That should be a an absolute shit show over there for you guys tailgating. But Penn State the alternate uniforms that'll be there, an homage to back in the day in the beautiful banana peel uniforms. What did you think when those things were revealed a couple weeks back? I love them. I think they're uh, they're a perfect, to me, they're a perfect uh, alternate uniform. Are they a uniform you should wear regularly? Definitely not. But I love the uh, tip of the cap to the, the hideous feathers, and I, I just like the, uh, the all-gold scheme in general. So, uh, you know, Clearly, it's going to, uh, as we've seen in the past, these alternate uniforms are going to get us. I mean, if we don't win by at least 30 against Penn State, something went wrong. <laughs> but, uh, so, but, no, I, I like them a lot. And that's, uh, as you know, I'm kind of a grumpy old fart and mm-hmm. usually don't like when they uh, move away from the, uh, the basic uniforms. But I, but I like them. As a, as a one-time shot, they're pretty sharp, I think. That they are. I, I absolutely am loving them. I'm surprised they're our, our our friend Rusty, who is the youngest and hippest of yes. our our, uh, our friends, which, which isn't saying much. It just means he's under forty. Um, he hated them, which uh, that was surprising to me. I thought he would be all all well, in. You, you got to remember him being a little bit younger. He probably doesn't have that same kind of connection to the banana peel uniforms, and maybe that's a case. And well, you got to assume the beef. He's going to be busting out the D Rob jersey for this one, right? Oh, I there's no doubt. If he doesn't wear it. Uh, there may be a mutiny at our tailgate. <laughs> uh, a beautiful look. And the first time in Iowa football history they'll be wearing a gold top in a game. They've worn gold helmets in the past, of course. They've worn gold pants forever. But first time they'll be wearing a gold jersey in this game. Something cool, too, I think. Yeah, well, they need something to get over the hump against Penn State yeah. because that rivalry has, has turned over the last few years. We went from... Uh, all the breaks going our way for the last couple of years. Clearly, all the breaks have gone their way. So, uh, whatever we can get, do to get an edge over the Nittany uh, Lions, we'll take it. No doubt. So, uniforms in the books. You can tell this is certainly an off-season conversation. Let's get into some gambling. What do you say? How, how's your summer gambling been going, Biz? You've been firing at the hot dog contest, anything like that? How's your degenerate tendencies? Non-existent, Trent. My, my, as you know, my gambling is generally focused on. Uh, College football and, and dabbling a little bit in college basketball is just out of boredom. But uh, I'm not nearly the degenerate you are. I'm sure you've been doing a parlays on, on the All Star Game and the hot dog contest combined. So. That's what you got to do. You got to find a way to build that bankroll before football season. And, no and the I... way to do that is and the way to do that is betting the All Star Game. <laughs> well, the All Star Game is the lock every year. American League. I mean, what, what are they? Twenty five and six or something over the last thirty one years. There's a lock for you. Seven in a row, I believe, now, too, right? Yep, absolutely. You build up with that one. Home run derby didn't come to fruition. I I, I made a mistake. the only thing the Mets are going to win this year, so let's celebrate the home run derby. (laughs) Made a mistake there. Well, with football upon us, 
we do have over-unders that continue to trickle out different casinos. The latest one that I saw was released from Caesars, and uh, we're going to use those here today, and we're going to run through the Big Ten. Uh, looking at the numbers, let's first uh, – how's this set up here? I'm trying to see how they have it set up. It's no rhyme or reason to it. So let's go. If you hear a number that intrigues you in the Big Ten, just stop me, okay? All right, so I've got a question for you first. Yes. So uh, my understanding is that over-unders are regular season games only, correct? Yes. Conference championship game, bowl games, those do not count. It is the 12 regular season games scheduled. You're right. All right, because I, I was traveling for work this morning, and I, I listened to another Iowa podcast that, that did something similar to this, and they, uh, they, they were inaccurate in their uh, – assessment of, of what it includes. So they were breaking down teams that could potentially make it to the playoff and play 14 games. And I didn't think that was right, but uh, I figured you'd be the one to know. So What podcast were you listening to that's this wrong? I, I got to holler at these guys. I'm not giving advertising to the people, Trent. <laughs> right. No, what? it was the, the Blackheart Gold Pants oh, one. Okay. I believe they, they just started one. To, it was a brand new one, and it was based out of a sports column. So I figured it, 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 was, it was a... An interesting lesson for 40 minutes, but their uh, their numbers were, were inaccurate. So if you want a accurate gambling take, not not good gambling takes, but accurate right. ones, you got to come down. That's the, that's our we have found our corner, and we're going to stay with it here. Up first here on the list from Caesars, Minnesota. I'll give you the juice if you want it, but Minnesota, the number is seven and a half. We talked about the Gophers a little earlier. This is one I think I'd play. I'd probably play the over with the Gophers. I told you. I kind of like this team as much as I hate Fleck. Yeah, so what I did when you told me we were going to be doing this is as I went through and looked at schedules and just predicted records without looking. And I had them at 8-4, and four, so uh, yeah. I was shocked to see that Vegas had it at 7.5. I thought it would be lower than that. But uh, Vegas is clearly taking the schedule into account. But uh, I guess if, if I gunned to my head, if I had to, I'd... I guess I'd bet for P.J. Fleck. It's one that probably I'd pass on altogether. And if you're taking the over there, you're laying minus 150. So because of that price, probably going to be a stay away with that number. Uh, let's go next. Michigan State is listed next. Their number is eight. I like them for a bounce-back year, but as much as we talked about the Iowa schedule, the Michigan State road schedule, very difficult also. They have three common opponents on the road this year, does Michigan State in Iowa, but – this is how it's set up for Sparty. They go to Northwestern, home for Indiana, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, back-to-back, by week, Penn State at home, by week again, Illinois, then they finish up at Michigan, at Rutgers, and home for Maryland. A weird schedule, two bye weeks within a three-week period with a Penn State sandwich in between it. The number is eight. Anything there, Biz? I think I'd pass on it, but when you list those four road teams at Northwestern, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan, they're going to be underdogs in all four of those, which means they they got to win the remaining eight just to uh, just to push the bet. So I, I think probably the under if you're if you're feeling risky. The one good thing if you're uh, on the Michigan State side, there's a team that can beat Ohio State on the road. It's certainly been Sparty here throughout the last few years. Purdue's at seven. Seems right. Yeah, I actually had them. I got the under on that one, and I'm actually pretty confident in the under. Who I think are this you? is a team. Again, they've got a tough. Look, the, the key reason for that is their non-conference schedule is tough. They go to Nevada to start the year, which we've seen going out to the uh, you know 100 degree weather to start the year is never easy. 
and then they get, I believe it's Boston College and TCU after that. So there's not a cupcake on their schedule. So, you know, I, I think Purdue is a team that Jeff Brown is, is always going to make them competitive, and I think they will continue to get better. But they lost a lot of people from that team last year, and they've got a, just a, you know, when you don't have any breathers on the schedule anywhere, I, I, I think uh, they look like a 6-6 six and six team to me. 6-6 six and six there, and their road slate uh, in conference play at Penn State, at Iowa, at Northwestern, and on the road at Camp Randall against the Badgers. Ooh, that is a tough one. Yeah, I, think. I mean, you look at that schedule, yeah. I mean, they don't have a breather anywhere in there. No, not at all. Rutgers is two and a half. I'll take the under. <laughs> you could have said Rutgers is one and a half, and I'd take the under, just because I, I, I believe last year, Trent, uh, one of my lock of the weeks once was a Rutgers. Yes, I, uh, yeah. I, I promised myself I would never, ever uh, take take Rutgers again and embarrass myself on this podcast. I'm, I'm taking the under. I did, I did look at their schedule, and they should have two freebies. I think they play like Howard and Liberty. So if they can steal a win anywhere else, they win. But uh, I, I'm not going uh, to fall for that trap. That uh, under, will, in fact, will play you plus two, uh, 130 also. So you get a little plus money if you're going under the two and a half. Wisconsin, we talked about the Badgers earlier. Their number is eight. That's, I mean, I know right now I'm doing all unders that's because the older you're, uh, you're throwing them out here, but I think another under. Cause they've got a tough schedule, too. they got to go to USF to start the year, and then they've got, like we said, that tough cross schedule. And I think, if anything, I'd say push. I think eight's probably uh, the maximum that that team's going to squeeze out. But uh, if I, if, I would say eight's probably correct. So, Really, in the end, I'd say just leave it alone. Illinois is four. They were four and eight a year ago. Year number four for Lovey Smith. Uh, four is the lucky number here. This is a stay away from me. Just it's Illinois. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I can't sit here and justify saying Illinois is going to win five games ever. Indiana is at six, but how about the juice on this one? If you bet the over, you're laying minus 200. If you take the under, it's plus 175, Caesars. Also taking a significant bet here on the Indiana over-under with those uh, juice prices there. That six do anything for you? You know, this is one that seems like it's almost a sucker bet, Trent, because uh, Indiana at six wins seems high, but uh, it seems like it's almost, like you said, it's begging you to bet the, uh, the under. So uh, take the over, I guess, and just kind of plug your nose and, and cheer on the Hoosiers as the year goes on. And uh, their schedule, their crossovers this year, Finish up, of course, at Purdue at the end of the year. Also have to go to Nebraska in the middle of the season and have Northwestern. So not the easiest of crossovers for the Hoosiers and, of course, what they have to go through with Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year. Good news is the non-conference, Ball State, Eastern Illinois, and UConn should be in good shape there. UConn even going to be a D1 school by the time they play them? I don't know. They might, they might go non-scholarship by the time we get to August. Let's go to Maryland next. This number, just right off the page when I looked at it, seemed really low before I did any investigating. Maryland's number is three and a half. Yeah, well, I, I have it at four and eight, Trent, so okay. I will guess I will go the over, but kind of the same as along the same lines as Illinois and Rutgers. You, you never feel comfortable betting, the, mm-hmm. betting Maryland football in anything, but uh, three and a half does seem low. So give me, give me an over. I think it's the first time I've, I've predicted an over of any of these. You're laying some juice, minus 145 on the over in that one. Michigan's the biggest number in the Big Ten. Their number, 
10 in the hook, 10 and a half. To win the bet, they got to go 11-1 or 12-0 in the regular season. Uh, you do get plus money if you do that, but I th- think the Wolverines are the best team in the conference, but I'm not betting the over, certainly, a 10 and a half. I actually am, Trent. You look at that wow. schedule, every tough opponent except for Penn State comes to the big house. They, they get Notre Dame, they get Ohio State, they get Michigan State, and they get Iowa all at home. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure Harbaugh will find a way to screw it up again, but I, I think this is an 11-win team. So uh, it, it seems high, but I'm, I think I've made the mistake of doing this in the past. But I'm, once again, I'm all in on the Michigan uh, finally getting over the hump this year. The biggest number in the Big Ten West is Nebraska. We talked about the Hoosiers earlier, or the Cornhuskers, excuse me, earlier. Eight and a half the number, even odds on both sides, laying minus 110 with the Cornhuskers. It's, I think they're an eight and four team, nine and three or better. Just it seems too much too early for Scott Frost in the second year. I'd be betting the under here at eight and a half. Yeah, eight and four is where I have them at as well. So I, I just, I, I, Keep going back to how awful their run defense was against Iowa. As we talked about all year, we were not a good running team. And for the majority of that game, we just completely imposed our will against them, which we didn't do against anybody except for Illinois last year. So, And run defense isn't something you just magically fix. So are they going to be better? Absolutely. Are they going to be a really good team in a couple of years? Probably. But I just don't see them being a – a defense that can hold up against some of the opponents they're going to have to play against. So give me eight and four, I'll take the under. The division champs in the West from a year ago, Northwestern, their number is down to six. You mentioned just how daunting that early portion of the schedule could be. They very well could be looking at a one and six start if some of the luck starts to break the other way. I certainly don't see that happening, though. Patty Fisher and company, they'll find a way to win a couple of close games there. But six... It does seem low, at least on the surface, even with the difficult schedule. Yeah, give me the over. Fitzgerald will find a way to win seven games. It won't be pretty at times. They'll probably lose to somebody they shouldn't, but they'll also uh, beat a team or two that they uh, shouldn't as well. Let's just hope it's not Iowa like usual. Ohio State, number straight 10 there, so they got to win 11 for you to win on the overside, nine or less if you're going to take the under in this one. Probably seems like the right number for the first first full season, though, at Ryan Day. Yeah, I'd actually, if I had, it's one that I'd probably leave alone, but if I had to pick it, I think I'd take the under because uh, they've got a brutal schedule because their cross opponents are Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, and then you add in, obviously, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, that, that's, that's six tough games there, and you know, I think they lose at least two of them, so... I wouldn't bet it, but if you had to make me pick, I'd say under. It's Cincinnati week two. Cincinnati should be really good. In fact, that's one of the over-unders I've already played as I found them at six at uh, one of the offshore sites. But, yeah, Cincinnati, Luke Fickle coming in. You know he's going to try to ugly that thing up and have a chance. You couple that with what you talked about in the conference schedule. Yeah, you could maybe talk me into that one. One more Penn State before we get to Iowa. The Nittany Lions, eight and a half. This is one that I've already also bet, and I love the under on Penn State. Really? How come? It's uh, a transitional year, it feels like. They've had a very weird offseason, not just you know the starter, the quarterback that they lost, but also coupled with the, uh, the transfer, as it looked like it was going to be Tommy Stevens. He goes to Mississippi State. They had a bunch of guys transfer, though, and, and guys that had played prominent roles before. You wonder with Franklin, it just – 
seems a little bit odd. They were 9-4 a year ago. Probably another 8-4 and four type of year is what I anticipate in the regular season. Road schedule at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Minnesota, at Ohio State. I think all four of those games probably going to be on the L column. Plus, they have another game with Maryland on the road, plus the home games. Yeah, I, I, I see more 7-5, and 8-4 and four type out of Penn State this year. Well, didn't they had a couple guys that put their names in the transfer portal and then chose to come back, too, didn't they? Well, and I, th- I think there was a story of one of them tried, and they basically didn't have a scholarship left for him. He's like, you- you're in the transfer portal, sorry, you're gone. Maybe some cut and bait there, a possibility, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you told me, Trent. I-, I-, I had them written down as 9-3 and three just from looking at the schedule, but uh, it was not one that I felt overly confident about. So I'd probably leave it alone, but uh, just when I wrote down numbers, I had them at 9-3. and three. So I guess I'd reluctantly say over, but not one that I feel confident about, that's for sure. And finally, the Iowa Hawkeyes. The number, as it's been pretty much everywhere, I've seen a few eights out there, but mostly it's been 7.5 pretty much across the board. Caesars does have some juice attached. If you're taking the over, you're laying minus 155, the under plus 135. The number is 7.5. You have to make a bet. Which side are you on? I actually feel pretty confident in the over, Chance. I think this is a uh, eight and potentially nine win team. I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, the schedule's too tough for them to be ten and two or eleven and one. But uh, as we talked about, this team's got a lot of talent, and I think if if unfortunately a few folks wouldn't have left early, I think this was a ten or eleven oh, yeah. win team. But uh, you know. If things last year we were pretty lucky as far as health wise, we didn't have a lot of major injuries, especially on the lines. If that happens again, if we stay healthy on the lines, and if Nate Stanley takes a progression, you know, progresses from being inconsistent but good to just flat out good, then this is a nine-win team for sure. So I, I like the over, um, and it's actually a, of the twelve, it's probably one of the two or three that I like the best of the over. All right. This is something that I, I've talked to. I don't remember if I brought it up with you, if I, if I have. Stop me here. But let's say that the number is eight. But here's the caveat. If it hits eight, if they go eight and four, you lose your money. You don't get your money back here. So you have to have a strong opinion over or under. You lose at eight if that's the number that we put it at here. Are you still feeling that nine, or does it make you rethink things just a little bit? No, I think if, if the number is eight, but you lose it, I, I bet under then. Yeah. I think, I think there's a fifty-five percent chance that this team is eight wins or, or less. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if you put the percentages out there, I think there's a, you know, there's a ten percent team chance this team is, you know, lays an egg and wins six games. There's probably another, you know, ten or fifteen percent chance that they they look seven and five, and then there's. To me, the two biggest numbers is you probably put 30 to 35% chance on both the eight and nine numbers, and then you put you know the remaining 10 to 15% at 10 wins or more. So, you know, just simple math tells you, you know, there's 55, 50% chance this team's going to win six, seven, or eight games. So, but but yeah, if, if you made eight a loser, then I think you'd, you'd be nuts to uh, to not bet the under. All right, Biz. So some over unders out there, gambling getting closer and closer. In fact. We are a month and a day away, it sounds like. Last time I talked with Brian Arilko, who is the head of the Iowa Gaming uh, Commission, that was the date that they were shooting for. So tentatively, we are, what, 31 days away from actually being able to bet legally in Iowa. 
Way to do some casual name dropping there, Ken. The, the last time I talked to the, the, the head of I've team, talked to him know, a lot. Just a casual friend that you chat with weekly. I know people, Biz. I, I got contacts. That's what I do. Then why in the world am I the other person on this podcast if you know people? <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish up here. And you know what? I want to save this one maybe for next week or the week after when we get back together, talking about the, uh, the schedule and kind of ranking things and going through that. Want to finish up, though. You brought up, we got some baseball to talk about. Not Iowa baseball, but just baseball in general. Brought up the home run derby. It was a swing and miss for me on my future bet in that one. But uh, your Mets guy got it done. Highlight for the year. Well, it's that and, and July 1st every year when Bobby Bonilla gets his check for a mil. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a national holiday, Bobby Bonilla Day. But I think there's only 10 more years left, Trent. So uh, oh, okay. We're, we're, we're on the home stretch at this point. You know, as, as a Mets fan, if they just wouldn't have made that absurd trade to get Cano and Diaz, uh, I think most Mets fans would be incredibly optimistic right now because they've got two of the best young hitters in baseball, and they would have three of the best young hitters in baseball if they wouldn't have gave one away to the Mariners. So, you know, I, I try to stay optimistic that it's incredibly difficult to do and it's just so horribly mismanaged. But on the flip side, Trent, my question for you can the Twins hold on? Uh, as you know, I'm a, normally a very pessimistic fan. I'm still feeling okay. And that, that also scares me just a little bit here, too. Cleveland's still banged up. They're still going to be without Kluber for a while. They're incredibly hot going into the break. But I think the Twins come out. They'll play Cleveland with the three-gamer beginning tomorrow night. I think they get two out of three on the road in Cleveland, get that lead back to six and a half. And, and I feel confident. This team is really good. They've been banged up, kind of coasted their way into the break. I think they're going to come out fine. They'll make a move or do or two, bolster the bullpen. They're going to be good. They're a playoff team. They win the division, and they win it handily. Still confident. Wow, win it handily. The concern is, is the American League team, if they don't win the division, yeah. that wild card race is uh, pretty, pretty piled up. There's about five or six teams all within about three games of each other. You know, on the, on the flip side, in the National League, if you're if you're above 500, you're uh, you've got a good chance at the wild card right now. But if, if you know, the Twins could go from division leaders to uh, all the way out with one little slump trend. One of my favorite uh, numbers that I heard here during the All Star break, National League Central, you got the Cubs on the top, a half game ahead of the Brewers, but all five of those teams are within four and a half games. The Reds are four and a half out in last place. Them in last place, they are closer to the division lead than any other second-place team in the other five divisions. Is that accurate? That's, uh, that's, quite, a, that's quite a tidbit. Stat would be proud of you on that one. Well, I, I stole it from somebody, so that's what you got to do. Not Stat Boy, though? Not Stat Boy. No, no, he missed on that one. Wow, you're, you're, you're going behind Stat Boy's back. That is, that's hurtful. But, uh, is now the time to announce that our, our next podcast or, or – one of, our, one of our next podcasts will be a Stat Boy-driven uh, quiz. Yes, yes, Stat Boy, and he says he's going to be making his way here to the Capitol to uh, maybe do it with me in person in studio? That, that's the rumor, at least, is he's going to travel over there. Only Stat Boy would, uh, if he's going to do it, damn it, he's going to do it right, Trent. That's so, right. I, I'm really worried that this quiz is going to be like, uh, what was the jersey number of the 1967 right guard on the Iowa football team? And we're, we're both just going to be in stunned silence for 45 minutes. Sounds about right. It'll be a lot of mic time for, for shits. He'll like that. Oh, 
Hopefully there's some multiple choice involved or this could get ugly. There is no doubt. Well, Biz, we talked some baseball. What other baseball note? We're in a battle right now for uh, the longstanding Osage Baseball League Championship. I dominated for the first three months, and finally, the last three weeks, your team's been on fire and has overtaken me. I, I'm a lot less optimistic about my team here than I am with the Twins. Well, we, we might both end up setting like the all-time record for points in that league. Like we're uh, number one and two in like every stat category, so uh, we've got nowhere to go but down. But I've had incredible luck. I don't think I've had more than like one or two injuries the entire uh, the entire season. So I'm due to have some uh, the injury bug hit at some point. But yeah, it's been it's been quite a battle for the uh, God. What is this, Trent? Like the 32nd year of the Osage League. We were like 10 years old when that thing started. Yeah, I think it was 1988 or 89, the first year that I was in it, sitting in the cafeteria. What, we do it at Lincoln? Is that right? Yep, Lincoln Cafeteria. Good old Doug Schwab was hiding in the back of the room and not letting anybody see his notes. <laughs> That's when uh, Joe Pa and uh, Tommy Knudsen had a dual team, and uh, Tom, who would have been probably in first grade, tried to draft Kirby Puckett as his third baseman because he'd played an inning there the year previous. A lot, lot, lot of angry angry exchanges between the Kingston boys. Some, some things that uh, never change. <laughs> oh, great stuff, great stuff. Biz, uh, should be a fun rest of the summer. Enjoy it. Any more big plans? What, were you in St. Louis last weekend? Is that right? We were, and I'll save that, Frank, because that's kind of the business beat here. But, uh, yeah, <sighs> before St. Louis, I went to Nashville also. So uh, I'm pretty much cashed out on uh, – my, my liver needs a break after a weekend, two weekends in a row of Nashville and St. Louis. It sounds like a two uh, good places to go and good places to uh, have a cocktail or two. Well, with that, Biz, let's do it right now. Time for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. <sighs> well, Biz's Beat, Trent, is, uh, as you just mentioned, I was in St. Louis last week, and... Uh, not only was I in St. Louis, but I was there with uh, our number one fan. We officially have groupies now because uh, Arkansas Alley joined us there, and that's the reason we went to St. Louis was to kind of split the uh, difference. But uh, she surprised me by, by wearing a, uh, a podcast T-shirt with Arkansas Alley on the back. So uh, <laughs> we're growing trends. We, we, have, we have one groupie in Arkansas, and I'm sure at least at least one somewhere in the state of Iowa, I'd like to think. So uh, – yeah, keep an eye out, Trent. We're, we're really, uh, we're really getting popular. I saw the back of the the T-shirt with Arkansas Alley on the back of it. Did the front say "Degenerate Hawkeyes Podcast"? Do do we need to get more of these T-shirts printed? No, I think it says like DH or something. It's a okay. Hawkeye with a DH on it or something. It, it, was, it did not say "Full Degenerate Hawkeyes." I don't believe. But she can correct me if I'm wrong. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, that is. I was awesome. more. I was more impressed with the actual Arkansas Alley on the back. That is. It, that had, a num- it had a number and everything. Incredibly impressive. Absolutely love that. Biz, good stuff. We are uh, next week. I will be in Chicago for Media Days. So, probably the week after, after we get back, and I'll tell you everything that Torn Young had to say. So, is, it, is that a three day thing? Two days now. They, they've they tried that for a little bit, but they have uh, combined it back and made it a two day event. So, it'll be Thursday, Friday next week. The Iowa portion of it will be on Friday. So are you there? For, are you there for both days or just Friday? I'll be there both days. Yeah, we'll do our show. Probably, unfortunately, have a lot of uh, Nebraska stuff on the Thursday show. Maybe a little Minnesota stuff also in there, and Big Ten in general. We always uh, get a couple national guys that are running around. Talk to Herb Street, you know those kind of people, and then uh, from beautiful Radio Row. Hey, how about this? The Big Ten, 
they charge me to plug in my equipment. $35 for a power outlet. That that sounds like the most Jim Delaney thing of all time, Trent. That's, uh, this is not his first rodeo, Trent. There's a reason There's a reason that each team gets whatever, $52 million a year now. Uh, the, man, the man is uh, nothing if not frugal. $35 for a plug-in. Uh, what a world. With that, Biz, we'll talk again soon. All right, go on.